Sequel Quest, Episode 101, our sequel chat movie review of Avengers Endgame. This is the end game. Most of you have seen this because they already broke a billion dollars this weekend. Uh, 1.2 billion to be precise. That's what Iron Man 3 made in its entire run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We won't even get into any of the DCs and what they've made in a full run. Um, (laughs) But yeah, we have seen the end game. We finally caught up to what Doctor Strange saw in Infinity War. And oh boy, do we have a lot to discuss here. So yes. on the panel with me, Colton and Adam. Wow, guys. Doing? Wow is right. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> this this was an event like Infinity War was like a curiosity. That was like the it was kind of like the first Avengers. How are they going to do it? And this yeah. one's like. You gotta be there. You gotta see the conclusion. You know. Yeah, I uh, I would like to second and third that emotion because I've already seen the film three times in that opening <laughs> week. <laughs> wow, in the same format each time, or did you? Um, trade uh, gosh, I don't want to get myself in trouble. It's just that. Let's just say I'm, I was a little annoyed that this American-made film opened up internationally a few days before it opened here. <laughs> so I took advantage of certain things, but then on <laughs> opening. I and made so Kevin Feige your mortal enemy. Dude, you're getting tax breaks from Georgia, okay? American <laughs> You need to release it here first or bare minimum simultaneously. <sighs> I went and caught it on opening night, regular format, reclining chairs, and then I took a fellow beautiful Marvel fan with me to go see it again in IMAX 3D, the way it was filmed. The IMAX. Correct. Was. And oh, there's still so much to take in that I didn't quite take in, and it's it's just sublime. Like, I can't wait to just chew into this. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't like, able to catch an IMAX. I, I looked for one hard this morning, but they were still full here on Monday morning post-debut. So, Adam, what uh, what were your initial thoughts on it? We're going to keep it spoiler-free here. Well, uh, I will say, you know, I, I there may be some bias here only in that, you know, I saw it in a D-Box 3D screening. Oh, that I had to drive almost three hours to get to. Uh, and it, I, I will just say general thoughts, totally worth it. Uh, <laughs> which, it, you know, it, it's not to say that I didn't have a few questions coming out of the theater. Some, uh, you know, feeling a bit unsatisfied in some areas. But overall, I I did enjoy it quite a bit. And uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting follow-up to Infinity War. I don't know how cohesive the two films are, but we'll get into that, I guess. And for those out there that don't know what a D-Box seat is, they are the ones that are programmed along with the movie to move and uh, the motorized seats. Right. 
So, and, and they're pretty fun. So every time there's a punch or an explosion, you feel it. Every time a car moves or somebody's flying, you feel it. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Wow. It's yeah. kind of almost like 4D, only you're, yeah. not, you're not getting any liquid sprayed on you. Like not, <laughs> yeah, not a no bit, smells. Right? No scent. Okay, or anything, all right, yeah. good. <laughs> um, they used to have one here in Surprise, but mm-hmm. I believe once AMC bought that theater out, they got rid of them. Yeah, and I saw the original Avengers in D-Box 3D right. as well, which is why I wanted to close the loop and <laughs> do that again. <laughs> All right, Colton, what are your overview thoughts here? Uh, it took me back because it made me feel the way, not not 100%, but close to the way I felt when I was at the midnight showing for uh, Return of the King, December 2003. Just when you have this grand finale, closing out an epic story, epic journey, epic everything, having gigantic, massive armies going at it with each other, you know, just it just really took me back there. Lots of laughs in between. I uh, Those who are faithful listeners on the show know that I do whatever it takes to avoid being phantom menaced. You know, when you see something, you think it's awesome. And then you revisit it and you're like, wait a second, this isn't awesome. I've been hoodwinked, you know. Uh, So I'm very careful about that. And I do know that last year, Infinity War, I came out and said 10. But I also made it clear that I might go down a little bit since then, you know. And and since then, I went down to 9.5. And that's probably where I'm going to be with this one because I... (laughs) I still have some questions about the time travel logistics and things like that. Very minor quibbles. But I got to give him credit. This is a three-hour film, and there's hardly an ounce of fluff on it that I can think of. Everything just seemed to go by very quickly and very organically. I, uh, not, uh, some, not all Marvel films, but some. I just remember thinking, man, this could have used some editing. This could have used some <laughs> tightening of the flow. And I just couldn't find any examples where that was needed in this film. So I, I, I might have some a few plot hole logic problems that I'm probably still working out on my own. But, oh, wow, 9.5 out of 10 is where I'm resting at now. And I am firmly in the bandwagon of, I do see it as one film split in two. Like, Mm -hmm. I really do think Infinity War and Endgame should be watched back to back. I don't see them as full-on separate films. I think that was just a lame marketing ploy that Feige and company were doing. Because remember when they announced... We're no longer right, doing it. Was it was part, part one, two. part two. And yeah, then they... it's, it's, now, it's now untitled Avengers, fourth Avengers film. Remember that? Yeah. They made that announcement right after Mockingjay part two finished its theatrical run. I don't think it's a coincidence. Mm. I think they saw the disappointing response to that and decided, hey, uh, audiences are getting sick of Deathly Hallows part one and two and Breaking Dawn part one and two and Mockingjay part one and two, et cetera, et cetera. Let's try and differentiate ourselves by late in the game pretending we're making two distinct different films. And and they're not. Like I have so much evidence proving not only were they a joint production, but like during press junkets for Infinity War or mentioning stuff about the Quantum Realm, they thought that the Quantum Realm was going to be an Infinity War. The people who were in the film right. mistakenly right. thought that. Clearly, they were mixing up footage from the two final release products. I mean, well, yeah, I yeah. see. I see. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a tangent. I'm just making it clear. I view this not as a um, film by itself. I still view it as a f- complete product with Infinity War. So I just yeah. thought I'd clarify that. Yeah, this is definitely a two part comic book epic here um, with the cliffhanger in between. Mm-hmm. Um, non spoilery. Yes, definitely see Infinity War before. Um, even just go watch it again. It's on Netflix for now. Check it Don't out. Plus yanks it away after each month. Yeah, go, uh, go to the theater. Find one that's open. Uh, and then... <laughs> And then go watch it because there are so many, uh, I don't know, it's it's very much this movie is very, I, I've heard it described other places as it's the season finale on a long TV show. Mm. 
So it wraps up one long arcing story and leaves us with changes heading into the next. You're being very cryptic. I know. I, I'm just, <laughs> let's drop the spoiler warning here. Let's just get down to it. We gave him an extra week to jump in on this one. You know, <laughs> we, we, we held back this review so we would not be accused of uh, any spoilers or anything of that nature. Two weeks, three weeks, however long it's been at this point. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. Yeah. All right. So we'll dive into a synopsis here, pl- breaking down the plot, because we could go beat by beat and geek out at every one of these. So we'll just knock it all out here, and then we'll get into this the discussion. Cold open. Clint and his family are having a picnic. He turns, and poof, his family is dusted. We jump to present day in the aftermath of the decimation, 22 days afterward. Carol has been here and gone, see the post credit scene of Captain Marvel. Tony and Nebula are bonding over a paper football game adrift in space in the last hours as their oxygen will soon run out. As it appears that Tony is slipping off into that cold mistress that is death, here arrives Carol, who carries the Milano back to Earth, all to the surprise of the remaining Avengers and Rocket. Tony is out of commission and sedated, plus he's pissed at Steve for not being there when Tony needed him, blaming their loss to Thanos on their division since Civil War, quoting Age of Ultron dialogue. Steve rallies the remaining Avengers and heads off to face Thanos again. He used the gauntlet a second time only days before now. They find him unarmed and maimed, catching him by surprise and cutting off his hand with the gauntlet, only learn that the second use was him destroying the stones. What's done cannot be undone. Thor goes for the head, beheading Thanos. They return to Earth and go their separate ways, trying to move on. Five years pass by. Now, in 2023. Tony and Pepper have a child, their daughter Morgan. Steve leads group recovery sessions for civilian survivors. Clint is off rampaging around the world exacting vengeance upon the wicked as his new alter ego, Ronan. Natasha has basically become Fury, leading from HQ what remains of the Avengers on various missions across the galaxy as checkpoints. Carol, now with the short haircut of more recent comics, is off-world on a variety of missions, basically sidelining her for a good portion of the movie. Scott Lang's van has been impounded and left to rot but a rat climbing through it becomes the hero Doctor Strange envisioned, accidentally engaging the return protocol, bringing Ant-Man back from the Quantum Realm to the new present day five years after he entered. Only five hours by his time, we learn later. He learns the truth of what happens and encounters his now mid-teens daughter Cassie before booking it across country to New York and Avengers HQ. Along his drive, he brainstorms a possible remedy to the situation, quantum-driven time travel, attempting to present it to Cap and Nat before joining them and tempting Tony with the idea. Tony turns them down, saying it would never work but it does get the wheels turning. Could it work? Cap, Nat, and Scott seek out Banner, who has made peace with the Hulk, treating him like a cure rather than a disease, creating the Jolly Green Giant now basically known as Professor Hulk. Uncanny Valley alert. They retreat to HQ and begin the work of testing the quantum time jumps. Pants wedding hilarity ensues. Tony, meanwhile, is stewing away at his cabin in the woods, racking his brain over the temptation of time travel. That is, until he cracks it. He's left to ponder on the quandary that is messing with the timeline, all that could go wrong and what it could cost him if it does, his family, Pepper, and his daughter Morgan. Tony arrives at HQ and sets into motion the building of the quantum machine needed. Nat heads out to retrieve Barton from Japan. Hulk and Rocket head to New Asgard, the village where the Red Skull retrieved the original Tesseract, in order to recruit Thor for the mission, who's been wallowing so deep in his own failures and sorrows that he's schlubby and overweight, kind of a hippie Thor, or the big Thorbowski. Once all together, they map out when and where all six stones were in their storied history, realizing that in 2012 there were three stones in one place during their Battle of New York. Space, 
time and mine, via the Tesseract Scepter and the Time Stone at the Sanctum. The Reality Stone was prominently available in 2011 on Asgard, then both the Power and Soul Stones were known in 2014. The teams are arranged four points in history and places where the stones would be most vulnerable for this time heist. The downside? Each person has enough pimp particles for one jump back and one to return. No failures, no mistakes, no do-overs. Thor and Rocket head to Asgard to pull the Reality Stone out of Jane, but are betrayed by Thor's own lack of confidence. Well, that and running into his soon-to-die mother. While Thor has a chat with his mum, Rocket retrieves the stone. As they prefer departure back to 2023, Thor throws out his hand comically waiting, and with a thump, realizes he's still worthy when Mjolnir arrives. In 2014 on Morag, Rhodey, Nat, Barton, and Nebula share some parting words before Nat and Clint rush off to Vormir to get the Soul Stone. Rhodey and Nebula intercept Star-Lord, retrieve the Power Stone, and jump back to 2023. But Nebula is frozen, unable to complete the jump, as the network she runs on is intercepted by Thanos and Gamora while in the presence of 2014 Nebula. Thanos learns of the Avengers' plan and captures our 2023 Nebula. Once realizing the whole plan the Avengers have, 2014 Nebula is sent forward in the jump back to 2023 to enact a dastardly deed of sabotage. Nat and Clint meet the Red Skull and learn that to retrieve the stone, one must sacrifice that which they love, a soul for a soul. A heartbreaking discussion ensues between them before both attempt to sacrifice themselves, Nat finally succeeding in doing so, so that Clint may live and save his family, all while she plays the ultimate sacrifice to save hers, the Avengers. Tony, Bruce, Stephen Scott all head to 2012 to intercept the Three Stones, none of which go as planned. Scott and Tony intercept the Space Stone, only to have a mad 2012 Hulk on the stairs knock it out of their hands, and Loki escape with it. Steve successfully retrieves the Scepter from the undercover Hydra agents without a fight, with a simple whisper of, Hail Hydra. That is, until his 2012 self finds him with it, accusing him of being Loki. A crazy fight ensues, shields bouncing all over and both caps falling like 14 floors, but 2023 Cap succeeds in subduing 2012 Cap with a Bucky reference. Banner attempts to enter the Sanctum, but finds the Ancient One on the rooftop, warding off Chitari soldiers aiding in the fight. After knocking Banner into his astral form, we get a lesson on how the stones create our reality, and if removed from the timeline, they create alternate timeline branches much worse than ours. Bruce and the Ancient One negotiate a plan to return the stones to where they were taken so that the branches are clipped, but she ultimately refuses to release the stone. That is, until Banner states that Strange gave it away willingly. We learn that Strange is to be the best of us, the sorcerers, and she willingly hands it over to Bruce, who returns to 2023. Scott, Steve, and Tony regroup in the rubble of New York and realize they may have a second chance the one thing they didn't believe was possible. Tony and Cap send Scott back with the Scepter to 2023 while they make, possibly, a one-way trip to 1970 to Camp Lehigh. They realize the Tesseract would be here and that Hank Pym was working here for S.H.I.E.L.D., so they could get additional Pym particles for the return voyage, while also retrieving the Space Stone. While on base, Tony runs into his father and has a marvelous wrap-up to his relationship with him, closing that regret that Tony held. Steve caught a glimpse of Peggy, longingly staring at her through the blinds from a darkened room, in a sweet way, people. Not creepy at all, folks. Okay, slightly creepy. Having succeeded, Cap and Tony return to 2023. Amazingly, they pulled off the time heist, but with one major casualty, Nat the soul of the Avengers. Tony and Rocket construct a nanotech gauntlet to hold the stones, and finally, the moment arrives. Who will snap? Mere mortals would die from it. Thor is in no shape to take the hit, though he tries and cries heartily to do so in an attempt to atone for his mistake of monologuing earlier, years before. But basically, Bruce states the stones are putting off mostly gamma radiation, and says what we all anticipated, that it's like I was made for this. Tony reiterates that he is to bring back all that was lost in the snap, but change nothing from the past five years. And with a snap, 
Banner's arm is fried, phones begin ringing from lost loved ones, and Scott notices the birds are back. Then all hell breaks loose. 2014 Nebula had brought 2014 Thanos and his forces to the present day after Ebony Maw and Thanos replicated the Pym Particles captured from 2023 Nebula. Thanos rained down his missiles, destroying Avengers HQ and burying most of the Avengers. Clint is running the gauntlet through a gauntlet of aliens hell-bent on retrieving it. Hulk, Rocket, and Rhodey are trapped below ground until Scott can get to them. Tony, Cap, and Thor stare down a patiently waiting Thanos from afar. Thor calls down both Mjolnir and Stormbreaker in an OMG moment. The MCU Holy Trinity strolls up to Thanos and hear his new monologue, more ruthless than his 2019 self, as he's seen the future through Nebula's eyes, realizing that as long as people remember what was, they'll never be satisfied with what is presently. He'd need to tear this reality down to the atomic level and rebuild it anew. The Trinity attack him, he's ruthless and begins taking them down one by one. Battles happening all around them, but once the gauntlet appears on the surface, all plans change. Thanos trying to retrieve it, and the Avengers trying to stop him. Thor nearly has Stormbreaker plunged into his chest when suddenly Mjolnir soars through the air to Cap. Cap attacks with shield and hammer, even calling down lightning. So much goodness happens until Thanos gains the upper hand, nearly killing Steve. Steve stares down Thanos and his army alone, the last man standing until we hear Sam's voice on your left. Portals open up across the galaxy, bringing all the lost heroes, Avengers, Ravagers, Guardians, Sorcerers, Wakandans, and more for an epic final showdown. Avengers, assemble. So many moments. I could honestly spend an hour recanting the tales from this battle. Go see the movie again and again. Carol returns just in time to destroy Thanos' ship, saving everyone. Avengers try to get the gauntlet through the quantum tunnel in Lang's van, but Thanos destroys the van. Carol and Thanos have a tussle. She attempts to keep his fingers and thumb apart. He Headbutts her. She's unfazed. So he pulls the power stone off and punches her away. Tony looks at Strange, who gives him the sign. One. Tony jumps on Thanos' hand, and Thanos knocks him away. Thanos taunts him, quoting his 2019 self before his own beheading. I am inevitable. Snapping to no effect. He realizes the stones are gone. Tony's nanotech stole the stones from the gauntlet, integrating it into his suit. With a rush of emotion and power, Tony states, And I am Iron Man. Thanos' forces begin to dust away and into the wind, Thanos being the last of them, looking around in his own cocky failure. Tony was mortally wounded in the snap. Rhodey, Spider-Man, and Pepper get their last words in, as does Tony, hey Pep, before Pepper tells him, we're going to be okay, you can rest now, echoing back to their fireside chat with Tony about cracking time travel. Tony fades and passes. Funeral proceeding happens, with just about every hero in attendance. Following the funeral, Bucky and Cap share a tender goodbye as Cap is headed back in time to restore the timelines by returning the stones and Mjolnir to their rightful places, trimming off the branches of time they caused. But he doesn't return. Sam and Bruce are flustered trying to get him back, when Bucky alerts them to a visitor on the lakeshore. Bucky urges Sam to approach him. It's Steve only much older. He hands the shield to Sam, whether reconstructed or a new one, before filling us in on a bit of what he did. He went back and had some of that life that Tony was telling him about with Peggy. The writers of Endgame have stated that he is the unseen husband mentioned and discussed in Winter Soldier, as they wrote all the Cap movies, including Infinity War and Endgame. And with Cap and Peggy dancing back in the 50s, we fade to black. Wow, that, uh, that was a mouthful. Um, so let's start off. What was your most emotional moment? Colton, uh, start I'm, us off here. <laughs> and I, maybe I'm a little biased because of the girl that I saw it with, but, and I've wanted this for a long time, even before they started filming the movie, I always wanted this. I always wanted an end to Cap's arc that involved him finally getting that dance with Peggy and perhaps then some, and that's what ended up happening. And it ended up being better than I imagined. I thought I was imagining that he would go back in time to the very appointment that they had scheduled, be at this place at this right. time and don't you dare be late. I thought I was going to see that. We don't see that. And you know what? That's okay. Because when you think about it, he didn't 
didn't really know how to dance. And he, I don't think it would have been all that great to watch him struggle through that. Instead, we see them in a house in domestic bliss. And it kind of, you get the vibe that they've actually been back together for a while. And they're dancing perfectly. And honestly, I didn't know I wanted that. But that's better than what I imagined. And now, let me do this. I, I don't mean to burst the romantic bubble. <laughs> but I've had an issue with Peggy and Cap's relationship. Because they knew each other let's say maybe like six months like you know with, with all we don't know how long all his missions lasted um, in that according montage. To the movie, they met in 1942 yeah and, and he got put in the ice in early 45 but that's i mean before anyway. he got before he got frozen in the ice <laughs> they had just barely met and there yes there was some attraction but there was not this deep you know long-standing connection she touched his chest when he came out of the <laughs> you know his, his chamber and all of that but i i just i've always thought it was so weird that he He's hung his hat. Oh, it's Peggy. It's Peggy. And it's like that high school girlfriend, you know, that you went on one date with that you went to college and then, you know, you just held a flame forever. So I, I'm glad they did what they did because, oh, OK, yes, they did get to live a life together. Then it makes sense. You know, so I, I, I was just glad that it went that way and it wasn't just like suddenly, you know, because. As we saw, nobody that died before Thanos snapped his fingers just magically comes back. Right. That's not how it works. So I was glad that wasn't some weird, you know, thing that, oh, by the way, Cap, we did this for you. But, you know, it's like, no, they, they found another way to get to And, and I like that they established that they tried. They tried yeah, to snap Banner. their fingers and bring, um, Banner tried to snap his fingers and bring Natasha back. Natasha back. And it still didn't work. Yeah. Bravo to them for sticking to their guns in that regard. How about for you, Jeremy? What had you tearing up? Oh, the end the the majority of the end there um from when tony passes him and pepper having that little moment of she says rest you can rest she finally we accepted won. that there will always be the next mission and he can never stop until he gives everything i and gotta tell you of all the surprises i did not see that coming really but you know with, with tony dying in this one i i was just like maybe cap and then would captain die like i was just like what like so it, it really surprised me when all of a sudden he was you know the one to sacrifice himself let me ask what? this just because it has to do with that i'm not this isn't my plot hole but why did it have to be tony why was he the one did his armor protect him so he could handle like i i didn't understand why dr strange designated him he's like it has to be you why does it have to be him well Anybody? because he was the one who was able to figure out the safe way to travel the time sphere through the quantum realm. Plus, it was his mechanics in the new mechanical gauntlet that allowed his own suit to absorb the stones off of it just mm -hmm. before Thanos could snap. And that's what I assumed had to be it. It was just like, oh, it's the same tech in the new gauntlet as his armor. But I was just like, but again, he, he had that he had to do it. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. it just seemed like Captain okay. Marvel. And, and, and here's how why it didn't surprise me. Can I tell you why it didn't surprise me too much? Yeah. Because Iron Man three, he blew up his suits at the end. He really had Pepper convinced he was going to give this crap up. <laughs> then Age of Ultron comes along, and he's back in the game again. And uh, and at the end of Age of Ultron, he's like, oh, I'm tapping out. Remember, he he goes to his car and leaves everything to Cap. Says, I'm tapping out. Remember that? Like, it looked like he was going to stop again. Finally, in Civil War, he's explaining to Cap why he and Pepper are taking a break. Because he kept saying, I just kept going. Yeah. And I just can't stop. And the truth is, I don't want to stop. And Pepper came back. And I always wondered, how did they work that out? How did Pepper come back? Mm -hmm. And yeah. this scene at the end of Endgame made it make sense. Pepper learned to accept basically what he told her in Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. There is the next mission, and that's it. <laughs> 
she finally learned to accept that. And that's yeah. why she said you can finally rest. Because even if Thanos didn't kill him, no, whatever, Tony was always going to be paranoid even after he killed Thanos. I, I always felt that. Right. At the same time here, they, they did set this up. They seeded it earlier in the movie. Um, when he finally figures it out and he and Pepper are having that little fireside chat there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I can stop. I can throw it in a lockbox, drop to the bottom of the lake and just go to bed. And she asks, but could you rest? And mm-hmm. that's teeing up her final words there at the end that you can finally rest and i will say they did a great job uh i feel like must have been the same casting agent as ant-man finding that little girl as uh, you know i i I just thought they did a great job and it was nice to see tony in the fatherly role so yeah i thought that was great not just because it makes you know his demise that much more dramatic and sad but i thought also the follow-up with happy saying he was going to be there to get her as many cheeseburgers as she wants you know like throw back to the original and i was like burger king congratulations (laughs) that was a good (laughs) tie-in lasted all these years back around um now i have to say for my emotional moment it hit me out of nowhere like because all of the planned you know big moments you know crescendo moments i call them you know with cap at the end or with iron man or whoever none of those did it for me tony dying i was just i felt nothing which i feel bad about but i was just like this just seems too cliche and too you know planned for me it was in the final battle when wanda just shows up all of a sudden and just says took everything from me like give Mm. elizabeth olsen an oscar right now because i literally started sobbing like i was choking and sobbing the minute she said that he's like i don't even know who you are you will you know like that (laughs) like it got me and i I calmed down it took me like two or three minutes to come and i was like why why did that hit me like i I hadn't been thinking about vision or anything the whole movie and, and, and she comes on the screen and says that and just the conviction and the just like the heartbreak in her voice it just wow it just nailed me i'm getting chills right now like, I, I was just, i'm feeling them yeah. now as well and that was a very powerful moment but they kind of undercut it because mm-hmm. we're looking at 2014 thanos who didn't go through all of their head-to-head battle in 2019 right so that kind of gave it uh, it's it's further undercut by the fact we do they even utter vision's name this entire movie nothing no yeah that undercut it a little too i thought yeah that's what i was saying i hadn't even thought of it but she does reference him um as after the funeral scene as my eyes were still drying um, Clint and Wanda are standing by the lakeside and Clint is like, I, I just wish there was some way that I could tell her that we did it, that we, f- we, we won. And then Wanda's like, she knows. And then she says, both know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was a passing casual reference, but I mean, granted the amount of characters that were in this, Um, They did not undersell that uh, rumored scene of 62, some 64 heroes all in battle uh, that we were hearing about during filming. Wow. They delivered in a big way on that. I mean, just when Doctor Strange opens up those, all the portals all of a sudden open up. I mean, that to me trumps anything in Lord of the Rings. What a great way to lead into it. On your left. Yeah. Yeah, At first, I did not hear the voice that talks to Cap, and I wasn't sure if it wasn't Tony or somebody. And then I, the second time viewing it, I went through and paid a little closer attention there because 
He stands up and he's getting ready to face down the whole army. And then you just hear Sam talking to him like, hey, Cap, Cap, on your left. And then you see the first portal open and the Wakandans stroll out. (laughs) Oh, opening, yeah, opening night. How were your theaters? Because mine was lit every time something big happened. Jeremy, where did you see this? Because my theater is pretty chill. It takes a lot. <laughs> I went lot into your neighborhood there and saw it. <laughs> Deer Valley? Oh, yeah. AMC. Uh-huh. We went at the 1045 showing. Okay, I'm starting, uh, I'm starting to see night. a pattern here. It only seems like the people get most excited the closer it is to midnight because I went at 615 and it well, took yeah. way too much to get them excited about stuff. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, it's the diehards that go that late, generally. And those uh-huh. are the people that get so excited. Um, like, we're going to talk through this later on, but when uh, Stormbreaker is getting pushed through Thor's chest and the hammer knocks him off and flies back, Thor reaches for it and it flies back and Cap catches it, my theater lit up. Yeah, mine too. Everyone, more of a whoa, really loud woes. Claps, cheers, whistles, like it was nuts. And and, and I was glad and I then saw if that it. Was, if that wasn't enough, Cap had to go and bring the blue lightning. Yeah, yeah. That he can control lightning and the whole Thor like, I knew it. Because in Age of Ultron, they foreshadowed that with the slight yes. movement of the hammer. Yeah. Now, I, I I mean, that was probably like the coolest moment probably of the entire film was seeing Cap and just the different ideas he had for using the hammer. Well, and, the you know, tandem with yeah. the shield and exactly. hitting them and bouncing them off and catching them. And yeah, that, that d- shield definitely doesn't obey the laws of physics. Neither does yeah. the hammer. But now, I, I felt bad, however, because it was nice that he had that. It was very cool cool that he kept it and he took it through with him when he went back in time to return the stones no like, he went this and is returned that oh he was returning yes, it because thor okay. stole it from the past that's what it was because i was like i felt bad i was like thor stole that from himself and not only is his mom gonna die now everybody's gonna die because right. he's not gonna have his hammer <laughs> to fight malekith you know i was like okay so that thank you okay i, I wasn't yes. sure i was like yeah, that's no he thing. that's cool he took <laughs> it back with him to return it um, uh, because I kind of want as much as you don't want to rewatch it, but Thor two now deserves a rewatch just for the fact that I want to see yeah. if, if there is a moment where he tries to call the hammer and it just takes too long yeah. around that time and see if they're, if they just slotted that in right there. Yeah. Well, Renee Russo, it was great to see her back and get that great moment. I think that was a great conversation. Yes. I'm so totally from the future. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, that was Natalie Portman. Yes. So she showed up to get out of a bed and have rocket follow her. That was her time on set. Yes. She was, she was credited and she showed up at the premiere. That's how I knew she was going to be yeah. in this movie. Somebody spotted her at the premiere. Yeah. Which was strange. Cause I know traditionally everybody was saying, Oh, she hated that she had to be in Marvel movies, but it just sounds well, like she, she hated doesn't it. Like... She just, she did it for the paycheck. She phoned it in, but yeah. Well, well no, but I'm I, sure I, I she got paid with here Star too. Wars films too, is yeah. what everybody always said. So I think she just doesn't like long-term contracts. She wants to do different films and have, Art, you know, some RT type of ones, artistic yeah. vision. Yeah. Annihilation was cool. I liked it. (laughs) All right. What's our next topic? Well, we just brought up Thor. So how about uh, Lebowski Thor? Yeah. 
I, I have to admit, I heard about that leak. Oh, really? I, 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 even thinking that I was prepared for it, I wasn't. <laughs> I I heard about the leak, but I didn't seek it out to wa- read anything on it. Yeah. That was a bold, bold choice. And, and they stuck with it. They did. I, I was yeah. hoping like once he uh, once he lit up there in the final battle that it yeah. was going to be like Rip Thor again. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, Schlubby Thor. And I was wondering about that because I was like, are they trying to, you know, as much as they're trying to give representation to females, you know, we have the female <laughs> Avengers moment where the girls go for it, you know. The, I was like... The, a-team or the uh, A-Force. Yeah. A-force. What are the yeah. odds that everybody who is female just gathered together at just the right moment <laughs> on the battlefield? How about that? And, and, and their dialogue lined up so perfectly. Don't worry. <laughs> leave it to – you know what I mean? It's and, just, and then Carol and just the, blows through everybody anyway. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, well, why was – what brought Mantis over there? Because uh, don't get me wrong. We all like Mantis, <laughs> but her, her thing is hypnosis. She's not much of a puncher, you know? Yeah. Well, but that that was the thing. So I, but I thought, yeah, that Thor was going to have his transformation. He didn't. But so I was thinking, is that kind of their statement on body shaming or whatever? Like, you don't have to be ripped <sighs> to be a hero. Like, I was trying to see yeah, how, how they write that in, <laughs> or is it just comedy? And we're going to, you know, we have no reason to change him now. Let's just keep it in there. Well, I I don't know if that was partially dictated by Gunn's new. Uh, script for Guardians Three, mm-hmm. or the rumored Thor Four that's in the works. Yeah, oh, they made they made it clear they don't want to make Thor Four. They want to make Ragnarok Two. Well, mm. that's yeah, Taika, that, that's, but yeah. at the same time, still. Uh, yeah, I mean, did I, you guys actually find him funny? That's the question. Did he carry over the humor uh, from Ragnarok, and you know, and is you know, because like to me, he worked really well originally with the Guardians and his banter with Star Lord. Like that was funny. Yeah. But yeah, I that, felt like in this movie, they was went more of, way too far. Yeah, like, it was more of an awkward funny. I, I, yeah. I love humor as much as the next guy. I'm not one of those people who's naysaying about humor in general. It's when certain aspects of the humor is given a shot of steroids that it doesn't need. Having yeah. Thor make these really whiny, high-pitched tones, like the whole, I'm so totally from the future, that should have been toned back a bit. Yeah. Having him start sobbing about his mom and the dark elves and Jane and him no longer being together, that was too much for me. I thought that overdid it. Drunk yeah. Thor. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, it was sad. And uh, Jeff sends his regards. He wasn't able to make the recording, mm. but he said, you have to mention that the most laughable moment of this entire film is that Thor says to himself, ah, still worthy because he is a mess. He is ridiculous. Jeff is ashamed at what they have done to his Thor. So he is very (laughs) upset by that choice. And uh, they just kept going with it. Yeah. I had originally hoped when I saw it, that it would be a short lived stunt. Uh, But it, it, was not um yeah it was very forced the humor there with thor and and i don't know if that's because they they knew the rest of it was such high stakes that they had to inject some humor in and thor was just that character this time around yes yeah because you didn't have you know quill you didn't have anybody really that's you didn't known have peter for parker you. for jokes yeah. you like you're 
you're looking at a bunch of straight-laced folks. Like, even Hawkeye really wasn't a jokester at all. Well, it's a somber film, and it starts with a somber moment for Hawkeye, and it just keeps, like, like the first 30 minutes especially, you're just like, wow, bummer, bummer, bummer. Like, like, like the, everything the cold open. Sad. Yeah. Like, very cold open. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just slowly got into it. Just, yeah. uh, oh, man. And basically, when Scott Lang shows up, that's when you get a little bit of your laughs. But even his stuff, like, I just, I you know... Like, you know, and it was out of character, you know, if we're going to stay on the comedy, like the cap, the cap versus cap battle at the end, his comment about his own, you know, he's like, you know, echoing what Scott said about him. I'm like, cap would never say that. Yeah. I mean, I know he's been in the 21st century for quite a while, but he would still never say that. You know, know, like the last, the last two or three movies, he's kind of opened up a bit more. Yeah. Like he isn't as straight laced as language in age of ultron uh, pretty much from there he's kind of gotten more lax which i i enjoyed that when they went head to head cap to cap 2012 cap kicked his butt yeah (laughs) it's true yeah and it's like he's been through less yeah yeah, i can do this yeah i know yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) and and after having watched it the first time i wasn't sure when he picked up his shield and then this time going through, I'm like, oh, yeah, they fell forever mm-hmm. all the way to the bottom floor. And that's when he picked everything up. Right. And, yeah, and like, they did bring the Bucky thing back around. And that's what saved him this time. He is his Martha. Yeah. <laughs> Bucky is Bucky's alive. alive. What? Why did you say that name? <laughs> Uh, now, I, you know, I'll, I'll just mention, too, the thing I did not expect, and they referenced the film itself, but I did not see this becoming Back to the Future Part 2 in the Marvel mm. Universe, which is my favorite of the series because of revisiting everything. Like, yeah. I think that's awesome. But I really had no idea that there was going to be the time heist in this film. What did you guys think about that as the I, plot I point? I predicted for that because the did? Okay. photos from last year that clearly showed they were going to go to the Battle of New York. I was like, oh, they're going to go back in time trying to get the stones, aren't they? That, that was yeah. my guess. Uh, my, my guess was either the time travel or alternate dimensions. Um, and, and in a way, they kind of did because they created alternate timelines and then they mm-hmm. went back and snipped off the branches um, by putting the stones back in their time. Um, right. But the one the one issue is in the... well. No, that's that's for later speculation. So, <laughs> well, though, let, let me if, if we're on time travel, let me ask another question from a friend of mine. He called me last night after he saw the film. Oh, and he's like, boy. "You got to answer this for me." He's like, "So, you know, there's a five year time jump in this film, right? Yes. So, Infinity War happens, and then now, pretty much, you know, as soon as the movie starts, five years later." So then what happens after everything is all said and done, everybody's restored, everybody's back and returning to their normal lives. You see Peter Parker back at school. He and his buddy meet in the hallway. And, and they do like, the handshake. They do the handshake. Yeah. It's like, where have you been? But so does that mean for five years life was going on? Because when half your student body disappears, isn't school out? Well, <laughs> school it, is canceled. Basically, everything was shut down. Like it was minimal, even government at this point. Right. And my friend's question is this high school is only four years long. So if they were gone for five years, why are they back in school? Well, but that was my, that was my explanation is time stopped. Every life stopped. And now they're picking up where they left off Uh, for them. I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the explanation. Back from the dead. Now we go to Europe. 
Yeah. So here, here's the explanation from Spider-Man, which I'm glad they kind of gave a little exposition. Like when he shows up to Tony the first time in the battle and he goes off on 30 second review here of, dude, do you remember when we were on that planet and then I turned to dust and then like all of a sudden like we're back and Doctor Strange brings us back and... And it was a quick explanation to say that basically for them, they went away and came back. And for them, no time had passed. Well, that that was the other question that I had then. So when they turned to Ash, did they go to the quantum realm where no time passed? Did Doctor Strange have them in another dimension? Because I know this is this is the thing I didn't understand. My friend actually had to explain to me. So Hulk did successfully bring everybody back, yes. but then Thanos attacked. Yes. So the question is, when they brought them back, why wasn't all of a sudden a bunch of people at the Avengers compound? Like, where was everybody they, for they, Doctor Strange to gather them and, and open up the portals? For okay, them? they came back wherever they were dusted. Okay. That's why when they opened up the Wakandan portal, Black Panther, his uh, Shuri, and everybody walked out at that point. And then Falcon flew out of there. Bucky came out of there. Uh, Wanda, like everybody, wherever they were dusted, came back at that point. Got Um, it. Okay. And that's when he, I'm sure since he revived, they were gathering troops to go through portals. Mm-hmm. And they were just waiting on Doctor Strange and the rest of the uh, magicians, wizards, whatever, <laughs> sorcerers to open up the portals for him. Yeah, I, that was actually a question I had, too. It's like, what are Doctor Strange's forces called? You know, like <laughs> mystical protectors? Like he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Or what are they? Sorcerers just OK? You know, In training? <laughs> mediocre. Yeah. Mystic artists? Yeah, it's weird. We got to check that one. Yeah. So Kevin Feige sent out a press release. Right. You need to understand your your universe you've created. I love there. that small aside when Doctor Strange is like, "Did you get everybody?" And Wong is like, "You wanted more, right?" <laughs> and I think that was a little more for the for the audience there to kind of explain. Okay, these are all the people we're bringing back. Like you've seen glimpses of everybody that we're bringing back at this point. Yeah. Um, I also, I appreciated that they delivered on what they promised. Cause remember in infinity war, everybody's like, where's Hawkeye? No, what, what's going on? Right. You're, you're just going to leave him out of everything. And then he is like the, the f- character you follow through in this film. Like it's kind of in a way, you know, partially a Hawkeye story, uh, you know, little solo film. So I thought that was interesting because like the emotional stakes is, is he going to get his family back? That's right. what you start with that you want. And I even thought his whole, you know, fight underground and everything, like he did a lot of that work, man. He got mm-hmm. the gauntlet. He protected everybody. Like I thought that was pretty cool. So way to go, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> he finally earned his Disney plus series. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit spoiled. I, because they kept saying everything that you think you want, you're going to get even more than you want. And I'm not so sure that's totally true for me. I, again, I'm very spoiled. I there was a part of me that wanted um, Emil Blonsky, Abomination oh. from 2008 Incredible Hulk. Wow. Did you understand? On the TV show Agents of Shield, yeah. they mentioned passing. He is in storage somewhere in Alaska. They, right. Like he's, he's locked up. Wouldn't he's that in the have fridge. been? Yeah, but well, wouldn't have that been something if they had gone and mm. dug him up and brought him in for this battle, you know? But 
Uh, again, I'm being a spoiled brat. Well, then you could also brought in Quake or yeah. I mean, there's from the TV shows, the Defender show up. Like yeah, we could have had I, I'm more, about but the movies, uh, Abomination is a movie character. I, right. I just simply, I just was simply mentioning there's he's still alive canonically. You don't have a few. You, you <laughs> see him knocked out. You don't see him killed. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just and uh, the short film, uh, the consultant. Yeah. Made it clear that Tony Stark showing up in the bar to talk to Thunderbolt Ross, he was basically sent there to recruit Abomination to be in the Avengers. And a lot of people were like, no, that's a bad idea. So let's send the worst possible person who can watch the deal. So they sent Tony. Right. Mm. So I, I did not know that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that would have been really cool if in this desperate situation they go and they dig up Blonsky and say, okay, dude, come help save the world. <laughs> I think for all 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 purpose of the Marvel universe, that does not exist anymore. The MCU does not recognize the Incredible Hulk. Uh, why did they bring back William Hurt to play? Thunder that's what I'm Blade? saying. Yeah. He's the only one. But I feel like they're just like, oh, he's he's you know he's a general you know he's yeah. General Thunderbolt Ross, but you know he's just our army guy, our government liaison. Now, right. Yeah. Know? A lot of people call the 2008 Hulk movie the redheaded stepchild of the MCU. Nobody wants to talk about. it. Well, it basically is. I mean, so what? How do you know that Blonsky was? They were trying to recruit him. How? How did you? I want to. Marvel put out a series of short films. Right. Stop doing them in 2013, but they're pretty cool short films. One's called Item 47. Right. Where, where they right get after the, piece the, of the Chitari tech. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some one a group of bank robbers. Oh, gosh, I forgot who played them. I want to say Ryan Merriman and Lizzie Kaplan. They're mm-hmm. like this Bonnie and Clyde couple who steal Chitari tech and they start using it to rob banks. And S.H.I.E.L.D. catches up with them. Probably my most favorite short film is called Hail to the King. Right. Yeah, it was the Mandarin, the fake Mandarin. They they wanted to (laughs) take it up to the fans who were pissed about the fake Mandarin. So they're like, well, he really, he was a fake Mandarin. And there was a real Mandarin. And he wants his good name back. Yeah. Back, you know and then we get that iron man 3 of course satisfied us all with the mandarin yeah um <laughs> uh, some of them are just kind of intervals like you know how at the uh, in iron man 2 colson has to leave tony stark because he's got to go investigate something out in new mexico right so they made a short film about his journey well, uh, yeah I, I i've seen them all i remember them all i just never had that reading of the tony stark meeting you know general ross at the bar like i, I, oh, I had somebody- no thought Oh, okay. Were, so you I, seen I thought he was just film the consultant. Yeah, I mean, I remember it. Oh, but, okay, but they yeah. explained that there. I, I, that's the distinct feeling I got. Where they're like, oh, okay. Okay. they're tr- they're trying to recruit Blonsky to be in this Avenger initiative. We don't want that to happen, but we don't want them to know that we don't want that to happen. So why don't we make it look like we're cooperating by sending a negotiator who's just going to screw it up? Okay. So they sent Tony Stark, being an arrogant tool that he is. Naturally, Blonsky stays locked up. Yeah, yeah, that's now, the prevailing theory on that one. Wasn't there one also? Because remember that girl in Avengers who was like a waitress, and she got like a real big yeah. close up. There were there was deleted one scenes. Oh, is with that, that one? I believe. Ask okay. for her number, you moron. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A- Ashley yeah. Johnson. She was the uh, daughter on the youngest on Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That was her yeah. growing yeah. up? I did not know that. She is filled out of it. That Mel okay. Gibson movie, What Women Want. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Yeah. She's wow. daughter in that movie. Yeah, okay. Here is my question then. How did you guys feel? Because obviously the last film leading into Endgame was Captain Marvel. So everybody's waiting for Carol Danvers to show up and rock the universe. And so she gets a big moment she destroys, you know, the ship so Thanos doesn't have a ride anymore. So she sh- shows how awesome she is well, there. And also 
saves everybody in the process because he was raining fire. Right. So, but when they get their one-on-one battle, I mean, that was where he actually pulls out, is it the power stone? Yes, the power stone. So it's just basically saying nobody's stronger than an infinity stone, even if she is the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. Okay. So that one's a little up for debate because she is powered by the Tesseract, which is one of the infinity stones, Mm -hmm. much like Wanda is and how they have a certain strength to them due to that. Um, In that head to head fight, Thanos literally tries to headbutt her like he's done to Thor and Cap and Iron Man and everybody else, and it didn't do anything. And that's Mm. when he decided to pull the Power Stone off, embed it in his hand, and then hit her with it. And that's what breaks their head-to-head tie. Mm -hmm. So because, though, didn't I also read something where they said that part of her power also is she absorbs energy and can then unleash it kind of like Bishop in the X-Men? But, like, that's what I was thinking. If she got blasted with that, would that just make her even more powerful so she can come back and take out Thanos? Like, that was just one thing. I was like, because it seemed like she got knocked away and she's done. She's out. Right. I don't remember her returning, but it all happened so quickly at that point. Yeah, that's true. Because at that point, he had the whole gauntlet. He put the stone back in and began his little power-up cycle. And that's when Stark looks at Strange, and Strange puts up the one finger, as in, this is the one. And that's when Tony decides to jump on the grenade. Crawl over the wire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, because I mean, the, obviously, yeah, that was a, a big moment. And I knew she wasn't going to be the savior of the movie. That's not it has to be Cap or Iron Man, yeah. and, you know, yeah, in she, some fashion. I always sensed she was going to be a very powerful hired gun, but no more than a hired gun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I got to say again, like the like the uh, one thing we haven't mentioned that I think was a great thread that played throughout was Nebula. Mm. Nebula was like huge in this movie. Like she's such a big part. And I, who would have thought like looking back at the original guardians that Nebula would like grow into this, you know, character you actually cared about and was really going to be essential, at least to this plot. Well, Um, almost essential to the downfall because Mm -hmm. uh, she is connected to a network. Yeah. And that's what tips Thanos off. And which also is a reason I've had people try to describe that, well, this 2014 Thanos is more ruthless than the Infinity War Thanos, which is five years older. And it's like, well, yeah, because he's seen the future through Nebula's memory banks and thus changed his tactics, which he goes on and describes. That gave me chills because here's the thing. Uh it's a concept. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it was a concept that scared me. What if there was a villain who instead wanted to end half the universe? What if they wanted to end everything? And I didn't think the movies would go in that direction. I didn't even consider they would go in that direction. Yeah. What if there was somebody who was just crazy and just wanted to end everything selfishly? Well, where do you go after your your stakes are half of all yeah. life? But, but, but I just – I just – I don't know why, but I just – it didn't occur to me that that was a direction Thanos could be pushed in. I just thought maybe someday me as a writer, I'll come up with a villain who's got that kind of crazy <laughs> motivation. And then – and it just gave me such chills when Thanos is like, no, I got to rip everything down to the last atom. And I'm just like, oh, crap, And rebuild. Yeah. 
rebuild with life that won't know the difference. Yeah. Um, let me ask about this then, because the, in Infinity War, the big theme, it seemed, was sacrifice. Everybody was kind of fighting over who's going to be able to sacrifice themselves. I'd be willing to do it. I'll do it, you know? And in this case, there's the big, you know, uh, decision between Natasha and Clint. Vormir, Soulstone. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how did you guys feel? Because obviously that was a major callback to Thanos and Gamora, which to me was like the most emotional moment of Infinity War. So for me, that worked, you know, like that whole relationship. And the filmmakers had the unique challenge of how do you go back to Vormir and have the struggle over the Soul Stone? Right. How do you how do you go to that again without it seeming repetitive and derivative? Applause and and knowing that one of them must perish in order to retrieve it. Yeah, but it, that easily, going back to Vormir, that could have just been diminutive and repetitive. And they made it seem like it was brand new all over again. And you have the feels all over again. And the visual poetry of, spoiler alert, Nat is the one who sacrifices herself. When she's there at the bottom, you can't help but wonder how much of that red is her hair and how much of it is, you know, yeah, blood. Oh, no, it's definitely blood. Um, I, I know, but, but also the, she's laid you out get the poetry in the same... The, the poetic look of it, though. Yeah, she's laid out in the same position as Gamora, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You could definitely see that. So, but then it begs the question, they keep talking about a Black Widow, you know, solo film. Is this going to be a prequel then? It you know, is. is this... they, okay. they have talked about it being in the past, more of an origin story of type of sorts. Okay. Even before Endgame came out, I always wondered, is all this talk of a Black Widow film a red herring to keep people from suspecting? See, that's what I was thinking now. Yeah, exactly. Might have been. They were just dropping it out there. Oh, man, they did a lot of casting news. So (laughs) They have, yeah. So that that battle, which which one were you rooting for to wind up at the bottom? Here's the thing. It's not about me rooting. It's about (laughs) which of these two had the most nasty blood on their ledger, as was said in the 2012 film. And that's Natasha. Who has more that they need to make up for in their past? And what? that's yeah. Natasha. You know, Dreykov's daughter, the the hospital fire, the you know, all the stuff that Loki dredged up from her past that we never see or really hear about, but we're haunted with. She's got a lot of red on her ledger. She'd like to wipe it out, but there's an awful lot of it. It's as Loki said, it's dripping. And Hawkeye, on the other hand, we've gotten to see him as a family man, as a father, as a husband, and. He, for the most part, has been doing right. And all the nasty, bloody stuff he's been doing in this movie, he hasn't been doing it to innocent people. You know, he hasn't yes. been taking it. He hasn't been taking <laughs> selfish assignments being paid off to go do evil things to innocent people. As ugly as it is, he was doing it to people who weren't like uh, for everyone, mean, else got, sure? everyone else. Got Thanos, you get me. You know? Yeah, I, I'm sure he took some joy in exacting vengeance. So for me, I just felt like Natasha and, and she kind of I kind of felt it in her voice and in her words. She's like, let me do this. This is all I've really wanted to do. And I just feel like she wanted to be able to make up for all the mistakes in her past. And she wanted to help get her family, the Avengers, back together. And she was willing to do any sacrifice necessary. So I wasn't it's not like I was rooting against her. I was rooting for her to get the redemption that she wanted. Yeah. And I honestly was not even looking at it from that perspective because <laughs> I, I was more just saying, Clint, your family is about to right. If, Why if do you, you succeed. Kill yourself? Yeah. So it's like this is you taking that next step. And if you wipe yourself out, what's the point? Like, yes, you, you would have some peace of mind knowing that you helped them to come back, but they want you to be there when they come back. You know, so that was that was the one like conflict I had. Like, you dumb dumb. 
them. Come on. You know, she has nobody. And, you know, and again, you don't want to see your friend die. You always, oh, it's okay because you're alone in the world. But, you know, it's just like she, she doesn't have any connections. So if she could do this, it is a noble sacrifice, you know, so. Ah, uh, <sighs> yes. <laughs> How about no that? Resurrection this time. Huh? I, uh, in my heart of hearts, that's one of my complaints. In my heart of hearts, I really wanted Stan Lee as a watcher of sorts mm-hmm. to show up and give the heroes one big pep talk before the final battle against Thanos. That's what that I'd seen. Awesome. That's yeah. what I saw in my head for years. Don't get me wrong. I like the cameo. Make love, not war, man. Cause it's even funnier when you realize how much Stan Lee despised hippies. Like yeah. <laughs> he is on the record saying he invented Tony Stark, an industrialist war profiteer, just as a middle finger to all the hippies who annoyed him. He made that very clear. And I just, it was so cool to see him come and play a hippie and go make love, not war, man. And his bumper sticker, did you catch his bumper sticker? Enough yeah. said. Yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sad. If that's his final cameo, I'm a little sad because I wanted it to be a pep talk for the heroes going in for the final battle, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed by it. I was like, uh, I liked the Captain Marvel one because it was subtle. And this one was another kind of like goofy one. I was like, ah, it's no Tony Stank. And, 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 I, and I've been hearing back and forth a bunch because you have to understand, they finished production on Far From Home a month before he passed away. And I keep hearing back and forth, oh, he might have a cameo in Far From Home. He might not. Was he in Homecoming though? Yes. Yes. I can't. Don't make well, can't me come remember. down there, you punk. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've been hearing the same thing that there's potentially a cameo in there. The Russos did come out and say this will be his last. I I don't know. Maybe they'll keep yeah, the other one Sony as a voiceover. Film. They might not have access to the Sony film. Yeah. True. I'm, I'm thinking that's a serious possibility, so they don't really know. And while we're on cameos, I think it's worth mentioning that uh, with the Russo's community history, <laughs> that we got two cast members yes. from community. And I was like, Ken Jong with no lines, just a mustache? Yep. Like that one. I was My like, theater funny. chortled a whole bunch over that. We <laughs> love that. And then, yeah, then, and then the, as the gal in the elevator, you know, so that was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, that was fun to see. And then, uh, I thought, uh, it was also interesting that we got, um, you know, for as brief as it needed to be, but it was funny that in, you know, Ant-Man, we got eighties, uh, you know, Hank Pym, and now we're going back to 1970, 70s Hank, Pym. Hank Pym, younger and younger, like and bigger and bigger hair. He had? Oh yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, that was awesome. Oh, wow. The original Ant-Man helmet. That was beautiful moment. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, we're, and then Easter eggs, were there other Easter eggs that popped out to you guys? I'm sure there were plenty that I missed. Oh my, this movie. Sorry, one last thing. I saw a Disney oh, yeah. film in my childhood called Napoleon and Samantha. And you see in the 70s, early 70s, Michael Douglas with hair just like that. Uh, and seeing him de-aged to look like that again huh. really took me back. It's awesome. I'm sorry. Go go back to your uh, your inquiry. Oh, but yeah. So so but yeah. So I'm just curious. We had, there were a lot of Easter eggs in there. So what were some that you guys caught? Not ones that you read about after the fact, but while you were watching, and you said, "Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is." Uh, I saw Mjolnir, and I knew what that was. Not Which just is what Mjolnir. <laughs> oh, okay. I yeah, when he stole the hammer from from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, gosh, I really it was subtle things that were mostly dialogue based, like when he said "on your left," a call back to five years ago, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. But when it comes to the visual stuff that Jeremy pointed out uh, before we started recording, 
like like the Roscoe written on his coat. I didn't notice that, and I didn't know the significance of that. And uh, I didn't hear anything that Peggy said when Captain was, for lack of a better word, creeping on her. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I didn't hear anything she said. Apparently, she was what she was talking about was an Easter egg concerning yes. Captain Britain. Yeah, oh. or I or maybe his father that. or something. But definitely Braddock was mentioned. Uh, there, man. I mean, even Nebula picking up the Infinity Gauntlet is a callback to the comics. Um, I mean, is the earthquake in the ocean uh, a tease, maybe? Oh, yeah, that uh, was a Namor. weird one. Like, what does that mean? Like, but yeah, made, that was they made a lot of emphasis on that for it to be nothing. And well, unless of it's all, Atlantis attacks. Right. <laughs> but of all the characters to know that Atlantis is there, it would be the Wakandans. Yeah, you'd hidden think. kingdoms and all that. Well, granted, Fury had Atlantis on his map back in, what, Iron Man 2 in the post credit scene there, um, along with Wakanda. Did you guys catch Jim Starlin? I didn't know. Where was that? Yeah, Jim Starlin had a cameo in this movie? He did. He's the dude with the earring in the uh, uh, the little group meeting with Cap. Oh, okay. Because I because I noticed one of the Russos in the well, meeting. Yes. Oh. Catch that the other guy was Jim Starlin. Though. For yeah. those who are listening, Jim Starlin is the creator of Thanos, as well as many other cosmic characters. Thanos was his idea. Well, unless you're one of those people who thinks he ripped it off from Darkseid, then we can't. Help <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, a whole different discussion. Yeah. Um. Uh, I, I was surprised to see one of the Russos was in that meeting. I was like, whoa. I, I was not because every just about every movie they've done for Marvel, one of them, well, Joe has made it into just about every one. Um, I haven't seen them before. Yeah, I didn't in, notice. Yeah. Let's see. It was Civil War when Black Panther was introduced. He's the uh, the the doctor or professor that's dead in the bathtub. Oh, that's right. Right. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. with well, a mustache. Dude, that's subtle. I mean, I mean, we're talking like this was a group meeting where the camera was up in his face and oh, he yeah. was having serious dialogue. I mean, yeah, well, that's serious. Even Alfred Hitchcock never did anything like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and luckily, oh, they're, they're a brother tandem, so one of them can be behind the camera at all times. <laughs> so also if, if any of our listeners enjoyed our Marvel movie wish list episode, uh, our guest on that episode, Michael Kennedy, if you're listening, thanks for joining us. Uh, he had a theory that, regarding the Disney plus series Falcon and the winter soldier. Yes. And so he thought that this was going to be a proving ground for which of them is going to wield the shield and carry on the mantle of captain America. And yet at the end of this movie, clearly cap has chosen Sam to be the new captain America gave him the shield, you know? So how did you guys feel about that? Anthony Mackie is our new captain America. Okay. So let's, let's dive into that. Um, just, just that portion of it, because I there's a long string of things that surround this that I'd like to discuss. Mm -hmm. uh, at first, before Cap goes back in time again, there's a look between him and Bucky. It, it appears like Bucky and him uh, have discussed, and it sounds like he knows that he's not coming back in the way they're talking. Like, he mm -hmm. may stick in the past. The, the second time watching it through, it, it does appear because Bucky doesn't seem phased by really any of it. Right. And he's That's the why one he carefully, who... He nudges Sam to walk ahead yes. of him to go talk to Cap. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's been some discussion that happened. Interesting. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, and right now in the comics, I, well, I haven't kept up 
terribly well, but maybe Jeremy can confirm this. I do know that either right now or very recently, yes, Sam was recent. officially Captain America. Yeah. He's holding the shield and everything. So yeah. maybe it's also a geared in that direction of let's try and keep up with what's happening right now. Have him pass the mantle to whoever it is right now. Canonical continuity. Yeah. Usually stuff within the last four to four to six years is what's probably coming in the movies. Yeah, and since we didn't get an official death of Captain America in this, I guess that's why they're saying they're not going to follow that storyline where Bucky became Captain America. True. So, so it makes sense. We'll just skip over that. We've had a new because in the comics, there's Sebastian also old Stan, Steve Rogers, right? Yeah, but Sebastian Stan kind of did, Jeremy. You likely have seen this clip where he said that really early on. We're talking way back when he signed his contract in like 2011. You know, the people at Marvel were like, okay, first Bucky's going to do this and this, that. And he trails off and you can kind of hear him mumbling. And then you become Captain America. <laughs> so I'm right. wondering, is that still ever going to be in the cards or I, do you think the door's closed? Yeah, you, you never know. Um, I think he, shoot, his contract was like eight or nine movies. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. He signed an unusually big contract. And and I think he's only about halfway through them. So Well, but he's dead. he didn't have to do anything other than, you know, Winter Soldier and or a cameo uh, Civil in Black War. Panther or... Yeah, he has it like so. A lot of that's just like, "Hi, I'm here. Bye. <laughs> I have an arm now. Hi, guys." Yeah, so. Rocket did not get that arm. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but somber Rocket—that really threw me off, yeah. man. Like he was not funny, really, in this movie. He tried a couple times, but oh, you want to go into space, little puppy? <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. But to me, that makes sense because it does. Yeah, he, he lost, lost his all son. his friends. Yeah, and Guardians Volume Two, how Yondu was ripping on him because he's like, you you struggle with receiving love because it reminds you of just how big the hole in your heart is, and you don't want to face one day having to have that heart that hole opened again with no love going in. Right. You're basically he's afraid of losing his family, and now it's finally happened. And yeah, yeah. the way he was holding hands with Nebula, Nebula, you could see the pain at the beginning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was great i mean i'm sure bradley cooper was thrilled he got to play a character you know like he got to have an actual evolution in his performances because yeah that was pretty impressive not what we would expect and yet you know somewhat satisfying because it was true to the character well and juxtaposing him with uh flubby thor um, <laughs> as the straight man uh, it it kind of worked like he was like dude like your mom is dead 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 but there's a lot of people that are only kind of dead we need to get this together and that really put i guess in perspective his understanding of it and then his his quips back and forth with tony or whatever uh you're you're only only a a genius on earth yeah you're only a genius on this planet um also when they put all the stones into the glove and then he's they're kind of marveling in it and he just goes boom and they just turn on him at that moment. It was hilarious to watch. I feel like we have to give at least one minute Banner Hulk because we have not mentioned Mark <laughs> Ruffalo at all. Now, what? Now, Jeremy, was that Professor Hulk what yeah. they did? Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. It's it's combining the best of both the brawn and the brain. And, and from the comics, generally when that happens, he does lose some of his strength. Like, Professor Hulk is not as strong as angry like feral hulk but that that does come off with some trade-offs yeah because in the 90s when peter david was writing that and there and then there was the whole series of yeah basically like i was called him fabio hulk because he was like a total heartthrob and he would wear these like like really deep cut shirts and show off his pecs and he would but he could talk like a a real smooth operator you know i was never a fan of that but i thought 
Scott Ruffalo was pretty, you know, funny in this. Like, if there was any humor that I laughed at, it was probably him. Well, you know, just like, yeah. Yeah, and, and much like uh, Valkyrie said, I kind of preferred you best either of the other ways. <laughs> um, uh, like, it was very Uncanny Valley there. Really? I, I didn't think it was too bad, actually. And I was going to say, I thought the motion capture on his face was really well done. Yes, it was very emotive. But yeah. at the same time, like, he was kind of gray at times. Hmm. And others, he was kind of green. And just, it, it stood out hmm. uh, more than the regular Hulk did. Yeah. But, like, you kind of understood with the regular Hulk that you know, he's the brute. He comes in, he does his thing. And then this, you're like, well, he's wearing pants now and a shirt. And <laughs> I enjoyed his taco moment with Ant Man. Oh, so, yes. That was just so funny. I'm like, so what sweet. the? <laughs> you could have my little buddy. <laughs> oh, so um, yeah, but uh, that reminds me of just how rich of an experience this was in IMAX. The canvas was just so much bigger. When he, when, when Professor Hulk is riding in that truck on his way to where Thor is residing. Mm -hmm. New Asgard. Yeah, the camera pans down towards that sign and it says New Asgard. When you watch it in IMAX, you don't have the, I mean, the camera's panning down, but you don't, new at those the new asgard sign is there automatically when the shot begins mm. huh. is i just wanted to give you guys an example of just how gigantic the canvas of imax was i noticed that difference the yeah. camera for me huh. in panning did not reveal the sign the sign was there from the beginning of the shot hmm. yeah that, uh, that was an interesting uh, way to reveal it for me at least interesting now, jeremy Jeremy, now, well, did you have a few also, more things you wanted to talk yeah, about on, from the comic screen? On that village, at least yeah. we're sticking with the, the MCU, that's the same village where Red Skull came and got the Tesseract originally. Yes, that's true. I remember oh, that. So they did Tonsburg, tie them Tonsburg. back around. Yeah. How, how do you pronounce it? I am not going to attempt that. Tonsburg? <laughs> I don't know. Um, now, with Cap, like we, we send Cap back and he's to drop the stones and the hammer back in time where they were taken and then return. And as we learned from Banner earlier when talking with the Ancient One, that they're to go back and replace them so that these alternate timeline branches are no longer there. But when Cap doesn't come back and goes back even further to live out his life with Peggy, I, I've had a lot of people say that this is a major plot hole. Because what happened to our Steve if the future Steve ended up staying in the past? Um, Hulk explains it to Ant-Man and Hawkeye and Rhodey as they're all standing around there debating time travel movies. Um, Hulk says that if you go to the past, then the present, as in present day now, becomes your past. And the past becomes your new future. So there's no reason that there's a butterfly effect or anything that would change. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, There's a scientist I really have always enjoyed the work of. His name is uh, Michio Kaku, and he mentions this exact same thing. He says, time is like a river. You go... He mentioned Back to the Future. He says, if you, if Marty was to go back in time, if it was a real thing, yeah. the woman that he runs into is not really his mother. He's basically created a new ripple in time, a new – he's made the river basically flow a little bit in a different direction. And that woman that he was parked in the car with, that's not his mother. Well, Doc <laughs> Brown even says that when he meets him. He's like, it, this is the alternate 1985. You know, so he shows where it skews. So, I mean, even, that, that's sorry, the problem I meant, with I meant when the he future. meets his mom in 1955. He, he makes it clear. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah. But so, but then the other question that I have about that is how did old Steve get there? Like he just, he knew that they would be there that day. So he yeah. walked in off screen while they were well, all I'm talking sure. and they didn't see him. Like that, that was and, just what cracked me up. And I, I have like, to confess, <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I said, if Cap doesn't die, that's what's going to happen. He's going to go live a full life and then old man Cap will show up. And I got the idea from seeing the movie Frequency. Mm, gotcha. I, I just It was something I leaned on for a long time, and it was satisfying to see. And I'm wondering how much of it was prosthetics and how much of it was digital. That was I my for, question. It looked great. Yeah. Way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because when he – in Winter Soldier, the second Cap movie, when he meets old Peggy in bed, total CGI. Some of the most convincing – aging cgi i've ever seen hmm. I've, I've seen it without the effects and my mind is just blown because i'm just like wow how did they it looks so real and it makes me wonder did they do it again for him and about that voice was that all him or was it at all synthesized because oh, i'm sounded, sure there was some synthesizing of it he sounded like a legit old dude yeah so originally when when he first popped up and turned his head i was like dude they got clint eastwood to play old cat <laughs> and and I'm kind of thinking they used that as a model for it yeah. um, on how to age him up. Um, and it was such a Clint Eastwood thing to say where he's like, so you want to tell me about the girl? No, no, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, uh, and again, I'm being a little bit of a uh, nitpicky, but returning the stones easier said than done. The space stone. Are they going to put it back inside of that Tesseract cube? Boromir. How are they doing that? Yeah. Like, Cap going to Boromir and confronting the Red Skull. Exactly. How that I, I want that movie. Right. <laughs> At least a short film. They should make a short film about how that went down. Really? I mean, I, maybe I we'll get that on the Blu-ray. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That That is one of the, the plot holes. I kind of wish they had done it and given us like a 30-second clip of him going back, putting things back. Because, um, yeah. That, uh, I mean, he would have had to have broken into the storage facility there with the, the military again. Man, face, staring down the Red Skull again. That would have been interesting. Oh. Um, Is he going to shove the Aether back inside of uh, Adam <laughs> Portman? Yeah. Uh, either that or just uh, leave it on the table there. Yeah. So this is my my last question that I needed clarification on is, so Tony Stark's funeral service, at the very end, you know, they're panning back on everybody. Oh, you didn't recognize the kid, did you? No. It was and, Harley from Iron Man 3. Yeah. Oh, really? He's all grown up. He's helping yeah. him. He helped him. Because and... I was like, is that the kid that, uh, you know, Scott Lang says, hey, kid, what happened? And that kid has like the scowl on his face and yeah. rides his bike away. Is it the same kid? No, no. it's not. Okay. Because it just confused me. I was like, kids today, they all look the same. They're long, shaggy hair. You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But thank yeah, you. The, yeah. One, I was one like, of the deleted this? materials from this film that I heard from early leaks is that Harley Five years later, Harley shows up at one of Tony's shops and is begging for a job. His whole family disappeared in the snap, and he's basically living off the clothes mm. on his back. Tony gives him a job, and then he shows up at the funeral. That was what I was. That oh. was the idea that I was given. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, that was that got me in the feels. And that, finally, I had to leave halfway through the credits because I was late for a doctor's <laughs> appointment. There was so, was there an end credit scene? There was not. Scene, not a scene. But Jeremy, did you notice this? As the final final end of the credits came, you could hear some hammering on yes. iron. Whoa! Great touch. <laughs> 
<laughs> the the sounds from Iron Man. Interesting. The original one, him working in the cave. Yeah. What a nice bookend. It is. But yeah, I, I, I understand their decision to not include a post-credit scene because they wanted to have a sense of finality. Yes. Mm-hmm. And after Far From Home, we're going to have a bit of a break for a while. There's, uh, It's going to be a while before the next Marvel Studios film. You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. They break after what they've accomplished. Build up the anticipation again. Yeah. I mean, as I far mean, as I'm concerned, Far From Home is an epilogue. Well, it's basically a post-credit movie. <laughs> That's a nice way to think of it, yeah. Because it picks up right after he goes back to school. We're talking minutes. Minutes after Infinity, after Endgame is over. Is or how so they've, they've explained, right. <sighs> I also feel bad for Gotham, because everyone's talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> game. The final episode of Gotham was on the exact same night that Endgame premiered, and nobody gives a crap. I still have it's on my TiVo. I still haven't seen it yet. Right. Just swallowed up everything. Those numbers. Wow. Like you have to understand. You, you guys know that every time the box office opening weekend record is set, it always beats the previous record by like a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Incrementally. I remember the Lost World Jurassic Park held the record. Then Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone took it. Then Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man took it and so on and so forth. And it just kept crawling upwards and upwards until finally the last record was Infinity War, $257 million. And now the new record is $357 million. Domestic. Domestic. I should make yeah. that clear. Domestically. A $100 million difference from the previous record. Like, that's never happened before, ever. Well, this is my question with that. So if that's the case... Is this going to be considered like the most watched or the most seen film ever? Or does that just come with time, like Wizard of Oz? Or like what is the, the film that, you know, is it's the It's going to take known? time because Avatar yeah. still has the worldwide all-time record. Oh, really? So, okay. time, time still has to speak on that. Yeah, in overall box office. But in one weekend, opening weekend, this movie, Endgame, jumped to number 18 on the all-time chart. Mm. It Worldwide, it made more money in one weekend than Iron Man 3 made its entire run. Just wow. <laughs> and Iron Man 3 was huge. It really was. It was at the time, yeah. Has it been six years already? <laughs> <laughs> so any anything left on the, the geek out charts here that you, you haven't discussed that you need to just get off your chest? Because this movie has so much. There's even a Howard the Duck cameo I missed with that. the Ravengers. I missed that. Uh, there, there were a lot of cameos that were just flashes on the screen as everybody was coming out of the portals. So... I, I mean, we saw locations that we hadn't seen in a while. And the that... horn on that van. What a great clapping. <laughs> um, there is one last curiosity I have. Um, considering how they screwed up when they went back to 2012, do you think on this new timeline, Loki is now alive? Well, he's getting his own <sighs> series on Disney+. Plus. Is that a prequel series also? Because I was like, yeah, he disappeared with the Tesseract. So what happens now? <sighs> So mm, I, I wonder right? how that, that factor in to a, a series starring Tom Hiddleston. So mm. he really seemed last year like he was saying goodbye to the character. They must have offered him a lot of money. <laughs> oh, they threw, they threw a lot at him. There, there's rumors that this is more or less Loki going to be telling stories, kind of narrating his tales. And Unreliable narrator? Kind of, <laughs> and got younger younger actors to play young Loki, like his ah, youth stories on. type thing. So it's a young Indiana Jones Chronicles on Asgard. Great. Uh, yeah. Not 
instead. Okay. <laughs> I can I'll see wait for the what if series. Oh, Spider Man riding a Pegasus. Sometimes you just don't know what you want until you see it. <laughs> and and rescue. That the was rescue cool. Armor. See Pepper in the armor. Yeah, that, that, was, that was almost a throwaway. Like the <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah, he's like, oh, your mother never wears anything that I buy her. Huge <laughs> chuckle in my theater. <laughs> Great line. Oh gosh, I. You you weren't kidding when you said that we could talk about this for six hours, but yeah, what an immersive experience! I'm probably going to go back and see it again, for dang certain. And I, and I did this for Infinity War. I went back to the final showing before it left theaters, like at the end of its run. Yeah. I went back it again. I know bare minimum I'm doing that for this film, but I'm probably not even going to wait that long. I probably might go and see it again before doing that. Yeah, I know. For me, it's one I think I can I can wait on till it comes to to blu-ray and show it to my wife that way because she didn't want to come along she can't invest three hours in a theater you know she just uh, <laughs> that after is too a three-hour drive and a yeah, three-hour exactly. return so but for me like i guess what i felt with this movie is i felt like infinity war and if you go back to our sequel chat i didn't give that a glowing review no but you in, didn't. Re- in retrospect to me that was a more cohesive film there's a lot going on in this in this movie, but it's not um, I don't know the the tones in this film kind of threw me back and forth, especially with chubby Thor and everything else. Like it was some things just went too far to the extreme as far as either too somber or too ridiculous or too like it, so it, it bounced me all over. So even though, again, we're saying, well, technically it's all one film. The first half of the film feels like, you know, an experience that I could uh, count like as a straight narrative I could follow. And this one is kind of all over the place. I'm sure when I watch it again, I'll get a better grasp on it. But I just, I, I ultimately, I think had a, a more like, Oh yeah. Awesome. Cool. You know, during this viewing, but I had a more respect for infinity war as, as a standalone, you know, you know, almost three hour film or was that one three hours also? No, I think it it was two and a half. Right. Yeah. Um, and I get where you're, where you're coming from with that, Adam, where it's, it's very herky jerky jumping from one tone to another, very serious moment, then forced jokes. Uh, and I don't know if that comes from the last movie. Thanos was basically the main character and that was his story. And then this one, we're following a bunch of storylines. Like even, even if you go back further with, uh, the Russos to civil war, that's basically Tony and cap story. Right. Um, but there's a lot of characters thrown in, but there's extraneous stories. Right. Uh, and this one, you got a lot of Hawkeye. You have to wrap up Tony's arc. You have to wrap up Cap's arc. Natasha as well. Um, Bruce, you got to figure out what's going on there. Um, plus, bring back all these characters that disappeared. And, and there was a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So we, we know Colton's sitting at a nine and a half right now. Adam, where do you fall on this? I think I, I will give it an eight and almost like entirely based on I, I enjoyed Hawkeye's story. And again, that Wanda moment, if, if a movie could hit me and I am just not expecting tears to flow, like congratulations, Russo. The brother, red in it. Wanda's eyes caught yeah. me. Out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for myself, like going back to where it really hit me uh, the first time through, 
I, I could feel like I was getting close to watery eyes a few times, but I was mostly in shock, just experiencing it as is. And the second time it was as Tony was dying and the playback on the video, the walk through the funeral, like saying goodbye to a lot of these characters or maybe not goodbye, but watching them say goodbye type deal. And, and the waterworks just kept going. Like I was kind of surprised, but I, man, this, it's definitely going to get a bunch more rewatches and yeah. I'm glad I got that AMC, uh, A-list thing. Cause yep, I'm going to go back that. a lot. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I can steal away time, and, that's my issue. Jeremy, maybe I missed something. Maybe you can fill me in, but I noticed somebody was missing from that funeral. Did you notice somebody was missing from the funeral who, who was alive and who I kind of expected maybe uh, on, even on an ancillary basis to be there, but wasn't there. Did you notice Justin hammer? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, good guess, respects. but no. Okay. The first watch through, I missed cap standing there at the very beginning. Uh, I don't know if I blinked or something was in my eye, but I missed seeing cap and I was watching everybody else. And I was like, mm, somebody's missing. Who, who did you see that was missing? It took until my third viewing, but I realized when I was looking at the group of Guardians from the Galaxy, Gamora was not there. Yes, and that is why at the end, Quill is looking at a screen of Gamora and it says searching. Yeah, so it, does it sound like Guardians Volume 3 is going to be them going to go search for Gamora? Uh, it might be. The other, the other thing is, I don't know if she was dusted along with the rest of Thanos and his forces. Ooh, that's a good oh, point. Yeah, or I didn't even think about that. Because she joined up with all the other female heroes in that A Force battle, um, you do see her slicing through some some creatures. Um, if she survived and she's now running around in the galaxy somewhere, I I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I noticed the whole searching thing, but because they didn't explicitly say we're going to go and look throughout the galaxy to find Gamora, I just, I just wondered, like, what made her not yeah. linger? Or, those, even though she may not be the same Gamora, so she may not have quite the close ties, she's still Nebula's sister. Nebula's going to this funeral. You know, why did she take off? You know, and I, that's just... That's, I'm hoping that's a thread yeah. that they answer and not toss by the wayside. Well, right. it's a very Star Trek, the search for Spock, all of uh, that. Spock of. being reborn and, and having to find his way back to who he was and his relationship. So it sounds like that's definitely the template that James Gunn is using for part three. So well, because she's, she's Gamora from nine years ago, yeah. right before Guardians. Mm -hmm. When they said that from now on, the movies were going to be very clearly divided before and after Endgame. They were not kidding, especially with yeah. that five-year jump. Yeah. All right. All well, right. my my final review. I'm sitting at a nine, and I will have to watch this multiple times mm -hmm. uh, to pick it apart. And can't wait to get my hands on the Blu-ray. If they ever do an Infinity Saga box set, I will spring for it. <laughs> I'm already seeing graphics for them online. I don't know if they're real or if it's uh, uh, the ones I've seen have there. all been fan made, but trying to pass them desperately off is real. But yeah, if yeah. they ever do that, I would spring for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, we want to thank you for listening. And I, I'll throw a plug in here before we wrap up. Uh, so on our regular show, Sequel Quest, 
We just had our 100th episode. So if you somehow found us and this is your first time listening, we have 100 episodes in the archives for you to go back to, to check out. I mean, we if you want to rev- all, all our reviews of Marvel films, oh, we've been doing that for a long time. Um, <laughs> but also uh, more plentiful are our ideas for sequels, prequels, and reboots to films that you love and and have uh, wondered about what if what happened here? What if there was another story? What if this could have been? So we hope you uh, are a part of the sequel quest experience as well, and make sure you check it out. I know that Colton is planning to be on a future episode pretty soon. Here, you want to tease that Colton? What's the movie that you propose to? Bouncing us? around in my head for several years, I have a really solid pitch for a sequel to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I really oh, do. Oh boy. Yes. So there we go. Let's see uh, if you want to stay tuned. Shouldn't be long. And we'll be jumping back to the 80s, doing a little time heist ourselves. <laughs> Grab Matthew Broderick and bring him to a new story in a new time. So very cool. And as we wrap up here, just make sure to go to your podcast provider of choice wherever you're listening to us on punch that five-star review drop us a little little kind words or your thoughts on the show and screenshot that tweet it at us at sqpod all right till next time avengers assemble there you go keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars We thank you for listening to this episode of Sequel Quest and invite you to continue the fake movie fun on social media and at SequelQuestPod.com. Submit your ideas for future episodes to SequelQuestPod at gmail.com or SQPod on Twitter. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended.